Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 14. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And we are coming to you, as always, with two films that we're going to talk about. Vive La Mort, the 1994 film by Sai Ming Ling, and Shivers, the 1975 David Cronenberg movie. So, Malcolm scheduled this double feature for yeah. us. He programmed it. Yeah, I did. Well, what do you have to say <laughs> for yourself? Programmer, like you're good at computers. Yeah, I kind of hacked this one for us. Hacked this one up. Um, this, I, you know, honestly, it took me a while to think of what movies I was going to choose, and I was like, I just want to do a good theme, you know, just have a nice thematic bond between the movies. And if anyone didn't listen last week, um, a theme <laughs> is a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> True. I just wanted to get moral with it, you know. <laughs> Because I feel like no- these days nothing is sacred, <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I I you know where do I live? It's an apartment. So I just like I feel like we've talked we've talked off mic, and you guys haven't really watched that match, Sai Ming Lang, right? Yeah, this was my yeah. first my I've, first Sai Ming Lang. Yeah, I'd only seen uh, Rebels of the Neon God. Yeah, and I, I figured you guys would love it because I just know you guys so well. Uh, and um, Shivers just. Cronenberg's one of my favorites, and when apartment when I was thinking up apartment movies, I'm, I've never seen Shivers, but I was like, that takes place in an apartment, right? So there's a thematic connection. But I didn't like Shivers is way more apartment heavy than I even realized. It really is like about apartment living. It is very much about apartments, which is something that is strangely underrepresented in American cinema, which is weird because mm-hmm. so much of it takes place in major cities. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like a kind of a basic thing to complain about. Kind of like on Friends, how people would always, you know, yeah. how do they have all, how do they have this nice ass apartment? Yeah. Well, that's how movies are, but with like houses all the time. True, I'm always yeah. shocked by these houses that people have. Makes sense. Movies uh, happen in apartments. They should more yeah, often. Finally, like, some films for working class Joes like me who are living in apartments, like yeah. Billy Wilder, uh, yeah. the classic <laughs> yeah. working class yeah. man. <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I thought about the apartment, but I was just like, I don't know. Just wasn't into it. Maybe that's what we'll title the episode. It's two on the nose. Two yeah. on the nose. The, oh, yeah, this episode is The Apartment yeah. by Billy Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that movie. You don't? Oh, I don't we like should have a movie. little apartment segment before we get to View Lamar. Uh, what's your gripe? What's your beef? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember not liking it. I don't... Yeah, it wasn't... Are, are you not a Billy Wilder fan? I, I like a good amount of Wilder, but I've noticed that there's some are like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. The apartment's a little long, but mm-hmm. it's still really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one, of, it's one of his only films that I feel like images stand out more than the dialogue does, mm. uh, which is a good thing for him because usually it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah. But also that film, when most people talk about it, they're like quoting it or whatever, which is just kind of annoying. I don't yeah. Know. Don't ever quote a movie. <laughs> Movies are not an auditory form. <laughs> That disrespects the art form to quote a movie. I'd rather see it. Really, to do any sort of audio related to a movie is just like, dumb. yeah. No, I'd go, I'd agree to that extent. Disgraceful. Yeah. Extended clip. Extended clip. <laughs> what do you think we, about the apartment, JT? Oh, I I actually really like the apartment. Yeah. I mean, it's like I only, you like when he does the spaghetti with the tennis racket. I mean, that's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I that's do cute. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. That I like that. I, I, I was gonna try and be like above it and be like, "Yeah, you like that shit? Yeah, it's funny." I love bait and switch. <laughs> Seen yeah, it twice. Yeah. Crack my shit up each time. <laughs> CTFU, Billy. Wilder. I like. <laughs> I like Jack Lemon a lot, and like his charm, like uh, 
I don't know. It's been a hot minute since I've seen the apartment, but I'm sure yeah. like I um did uh, a lot of like Wilders uh, this summer, and I've really like I don't know. I dig him. Mm-hmm. I think I watched Double Indemnity in like five different film classes over the years. It was like, crazy. I think it, Billy Wilder was number two in my film school experience only to Aaron Sorkin for <laughs> how often his projects were invoked. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I mean, Wilder's good. Yeah. The classics are good. What are we going to fucking say? <laughs> yeah. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's real dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, no, it's fucking great. Yeah, it's fucking... That was like... That's like honestly like one of the first old movies I ever remember watching, Sunset Boulevard. Little yeah. little trip down memory lane. Extended <laughs> clip. Little trivia. <laughs> that movie... <laughs> actually features many old directors <laughs> from the silent era yeah uh, what is it buster keaton pass that's what he says that's uh, his line uh, yeah. i he talks oh. damn see <laughs> here on extended clip we remember the classic era of hollywood <laughs> extended clip remembers the class <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we actually haven't done any classic hollywood on i know show, i really uh, wanna... which is weird because we i think we're all pretty big yeah. fans i want to do a pairing at some point yeah. i was thinking of some maybe stuff, we'll do like we were talking Westerns. earlier about doing some themes and we are taking a while to get to our first film here yeah. maybe this will just be a long episode whatever. yeah fuck it um yeah. Let him have it. <laughs> we were talking about doing some like month long theme. We were going to maybe tease at a certain movie star of a certain upcoming attraction doing a marathon of his work for the podcast. I would be down to do um, a lot of classic <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah. I love class. I love the classics. I I, yeah. I can't get enough of the classics. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to basics. I got TCM on repeat. Call me Ben Mankiewicz, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I don't think I ever mentioned this on the pod, but okay. while we're talking about uh, Ben Mankiewicz, <laughs> I uh, there's a clip of him on at like a movie review like morning show thing <laughs> yes, where he brings up uh, uh he's like uh he's like watching the the movie like it's kind of he compares it to incest porn <laughs> and what he's getting at is that you just turn off the volume to it and listen to it and it, or watch it and it's fine and it's actually really cool it's yeah. a very funny joke he's yeah. making but then he had to like tweet an apology about it but like <laughs> I have a newfound yeah. respect for Ben no, Mankiewicz. Yeah. What do you have to tweet? It's like, I I don't watch incest <laughs> yeah. porn. I'm very sorry for yeah. making those disrespectful yeah. remarks about incest yeah. porn. Here on Extended Clip, we don't care what you jack off. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a free market. Hey, whatever floats your boat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so to get into our first film today, Vive L'Amour, the Sai Ming Lang film, a film about isolation and alienation and apartments and being horny and wearing squeaky loud shoes. Uh, well, mm-hmm. the sound design is very textured. I'll say mm-hmm. that to get right into that. What is this film about, Malcolm? It's about a lot of things. Um, I mean, you you literally listed like seven <laughs> things. So I really can't. I really can't. Uh, it's about alienation. What uh, happens? What happens? <laughs> Thank you. See, Eddie's, Eddie's guiding me through the podcasting process. <laughs> it cuts back and forth between Lin Kang Shang and Lin, the real estate woman. And uh, Lin Kang Shang, it seems to be, he sells uh, funeral gear, sells like some shit like that. And uh, he's kind of a drifter and steals the key to one of Lin's apartments that she's selling um, and kind of sneaks around the apartment, secretly lives in there. Lynn, the real estate woman, also uses that apartment for her hookups, which she hooks up with some guy who is a street vendor. And 
um, he s- gets access to the apartment and starts uh, living there kind of with the Lee Kang Shang character. Yeah, and that's a lot of it. People are sneaking around each other. You see their lives outside of the apartments mm-hmm. and in. You see the desperation and loneliness, and then mm-hmm. you see the more intimate side when there's the couple in there versus the one person. And it's really like a film of polar opposites. You know, in this two bedroom mm-hmm. apartment, you'll have people, you know, passionately or even maybe impassionately uh, making love. And then in the other one, you have a guy, you know, poking holes into a watermelon so he can use it as a bowling ball. (laughs) These things come like head on really in what could be described as like the climax of the movie because there's not that much like of an arc to it. It's these things happen until they don't pretty much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the climax of the movie kind of is him under the bed while this couple is having sex on the bed on top of him. And uh, he was just like trying to beat off earlier. Yeah. They got to come in and fuck on top of him. Yeah. So what do you think he does? (laughs) <laughs> it's but, a hard opportunity yeah. to smoke them if you got them right? <laughs> <laughs> look if i'm gonna jack off and then the real thing comes into my room <laughs> i was already going to jack off anyways so therefore it's not immoral um i remember you could cut this probably but i remember some guy <laughs> not cutting this all right I, I won't name drop him them but there's some guy on twitter this is for like the one guy who knows that guy and knows me but uh one guy on twitter used to tweet he's like yeah i'm watching my roommates have sex right now or whatever (laughs) everyone's like what the fuck that's pretty weird man like you shouldn't be doing that it's like no they're like fine with it he's like it's pretty cool did not yeah damn dude. so honestly i want it's pretty cool (laughs) no (laughs) exactly no some I wanna, sorry, were you following? Yeah, like on Twitter. I don't know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> We're acquaintances at best, but uh, I want to sh- I want to wreck this movie to him because <laughs> I think it'll, it'll resonate. Yeah, for sure. JT, how did you feel about this one? Um, the, you mean that scene in particular? Well, the, the movie on the whole, I guess. Like, yeah, because I don't really want to go plot point by plot point. Yeah, on this no. Because yeah. Not them. We should just, if you're not familiar with Simon Lang, he works in the kind of mode of slow cinema. Mm-hmm. And so these things, you know, you see these events played out in slow, realistic detail, often in long, still takes. There is quite a bit of camera movement in this. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few shots where the camera is mounted on a car or a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Those are incredible. I mean, yeah. Simon Lang, every choice he makes with camera movement, cutting, all of that stuff is yeah. just brilliant in this. But, uh, so, yeah, we're not going to, like last week, we're not going to be going like moment by moment through this film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, I one thing, I mean, that like you brought up like right from the beginning and like I think obviously one of the main notes it strikes on is alienation and like hot off of reading like a lot of Mark Fisher uh, this summer. I feel like it really rings true to like the like his capitalist realist notion and like the loneliness um, sort of involved with that. Yeah. The real, like the, his style and, uh, the nature of slow cinema, like works so well to just capturing these like spaces and moments that are just like, just having that textural sound of just like nothing. There's so little dialogue. It just like captures, uh, these beautiful little intimacies. And I think also another like really fascinating part about the film and that like type of loneliness is the specificity of like a big empty apartment complex. Because Mm -hmm. like normally when you think of like that type of space and like very different from shivers is that it's like, it's not populated, it's empty. And I Mm -hmm. think that just heightens the sort of like 
sad quality of it all. Yeah. And like to speak on the loneliness, I love especially when like we just compare how like other characters be alone and kind of like sad by themselves or whatever. And uh, I mean, obviously the Lee Kang Shang character has more time doing that. Doesn't, you know, in some, um, you know, just some fun ways, some odd ways, but uh, um, yeah, some fun leisurely activities, some, you for know, sure. just, you know, and like uh, we see the real estate woman just kind of have to go through, like, even when she's not at her apartment, like just kind of through the monotonous process of her life, just putting up sign after sign and like, uh, you know, it's some good stuff. <laughs> Didn't know how to end that. <laughs> no, it is good stuff. It's good though. stuff. No, yeah, yeah, all these little things that you see them do. A lot of it revolves around food. Mm-hmm. Uh, each character, I think, eats a meal on the street at some point. Yeah. All the street food looks incredible. There's a lot of street vendors too. Uh, there's one phone call uh, where Lynn is on the phone with one of her potential clients. Oh no, it's not with her client. It's when the man she's having an affair with is like teasing her over the phone and like being all mysterious and stuff mm-hmm. and she's just like eating uh noodles outside and the camera is uh on the other side like it's her in the background kind of and then in the foreground is the guys serving the soup and noodles mm-hmm. uh and you see the processes of people like putting on like the cilantro and the hot sauce and all the all the mix-ins that you get in <laughs> these kind of foods uh and it's really wonderful how dedicated Sai is to like all these tiny little cultural minutiae that play a factor into the way these people live their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. And I think the the point about late capitalism really hits home because th- this is like an early movie for that too. This is mm-hmm. 1994. Yeah, I'd say it's right on like the cusp of like big neoliberal exactly. like, order yeah. starting to like, I don't know, uh, be the dominant mode. Yeah, for sure. And like these weird like big empty apartments you're used to apartments being more cramped i guess when you're seeing apartments in movies like rosemary's baby even like that's a pretty big apartment Mm -hmm. but the whole point of it is that it's kind of closing in on you as these fucked up things are happening Mm -hmm. this movie the apartment just feels endless it's just like huge Mm -hmm. and these people are so lonely in it because like they can't they don't have like real it's like a look into the future at this bullshit we see now this like gig economy bullshit where he's rolling out a comforter for a bed like on the sidewalk full of goods that he's selling on the street or the other character you know selling plots in a cremation storage facility yeah or like the really just like dead end real estate licensing uh a real estate job that lynn has where it's like She's dressed in this nice suit, but she's showing these decrepit houses that are mm-hmm. empty, and she's like also sleeping in this empty apartment here yeah. and there. And everyone's just like at this dead end where there's like really no room for growth or anything like that. And they see the world around them getting like bigger and expanding and just leaving them behind. It's really bleak, but you know, it's a really good showcase of how that uh, creates this loneliness in people. And um, one note that uh, Malcolm and I were talking about off mic yeah. here that I, I really dig is like all the little like um, sort of like big capitalist markers that you see, like the little Bart Simpson mm-hmm. doll in the Bart window. Bart Simpson is much yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and uh, on Deadly Ground poster, Steven oh, yeah. Seagal, one of his environmentalist classics. <laughs> you always love to see the. Uh, the foreign posters for the American films, uh, especially in the mise-en-scene of other films. And speaking of mise-en-scene, so Simon Lang, you got to get into the style, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of long takes of, you know, characters sitting 
pretty much looking into camera. Uh, the camera isn't that dedicated to being locked down and still, though. There will be yeah. little pans if necessary. Mm-hmm. We see an opening shot where uh, it's played off of like the surveillance like orb mirror in a convenience store. Mm-hmm. So it's playing off of like the surface of that and the weird distortion angles you get off that. And that's like a three-minute take or so that opens yeah. the film. And then you get towards the end when Lynn is just walking through the park. And you get that long tracking shot with her just walking. And the footsteps are so loud. It's like point-blank level mm-hmm. of like footsteps just <laughs> overpowering yeah. like any dialogue that's been spoken in the film. And there's not much dialogue in the film either. So, yeah. How, how did you guys like respond to the the style? Like, I mean, Malcolm, yeah. you've seen yeah. quite a bit of Cy, right? I, yeah, I've, this is, yeah, I've seen probably most of his work besides Goodbye, Dragon Inn and the i forgot the other one's name but um i was you know i was kind of shocked of like how you were saying like how dedicated it is to it not being locked down because like uh kind of going through some of his later work it's um it's even more like some of the images are more handcrafted feel a little bit more meticulous and it's still really enjoyable and fits the themes of these movies but this this really surprised me in like its visual uh diversity and like mm-hmm. It's willing to go like it goes more intimate than like a lot of psi movies, you know, do go. I like I think at least more often there's a lot of bursts of intimacy in like mingling films. But uh, yeah, I was into that. Yeah, the the ending is very. Insp- oh, I mean, yeah. so that is the shot that I described, or the shots, I guess, because there's a few shot cuts within the scene of her walking through the park, and then she plops herself on a bench, and we get a close up of her crying for like. Mm-hmm four minutes before it cuts to black yeah. and if that's not you know intimate confrontational <laughs> whatever else you want to call it i don't know what is yeah, yeah. i like how we see her kind of like recover from the crying too just yeah like the small detail. yeah yeah the uh you see like the sun passing through clouds you know you don't see it necessarily but you see the light from that reflected on her it starts off really gray and then it gets a bit brighter as she's clearing up kind of and then she lights a cigarette and it gets darker again and cuts to black. It's really beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we got to talk about the horniness. I mean, look. Oh, yeah. Folks, this right. movie is all about just being horny. We It's like the elephant in the room. We haven't <laughs> talked about it. The first sex scene we see, we see Lee Kang Shang witness a sex scene early on in the movie. Uh, and the first sex scene, Lynn is just like licking this dude's nips for like <laughs> oh, three yeah, minutes. That's, that's like, the yeah. entire sex scene. It's mm-hmm. just her licking his nips. And it's like, honestly, wet nip representation. I <laughs> <laughs> whatever Let whatever guys got to do to get off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess he's really. In, but mm-hmm. so I was really interested in just like the textures and the tactility of it. You know, every time people are touching, you hear it. And you mm-hmm. hear the sound of people's hands running across their skin. And, you know, it makes it seem like you can really hear and see just like the pure fucking lust and sex drive in mm-hmm. all of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that's like interesting and just sort of like how it approaches horniness and loneliness is I feel like like the like what you mentioned in the beginning and then the the wanking it under the bed. I feel like it's you get like that extreme intimacy there, but you're also like definitely very obscured from like the actual fucking part. So Mm -hmm. it's like you have certain like specific extremes where you get that like burst of intimacy from the sex, but then you're deprived from like the whole of it. 
it's much like the limited amount of violence or gore, I guess you could say, that is in the film. Mm-hmm. Like with Lee King Shang's character cutting himself in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like teased out in close up mm-hmm. uh, for probably two minutes or so. And it's really just anxiety inducing. It's like, oh, dude, yeah. just fucking cut yourself already. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was my reaction yeah, to the yeah. film, but if you're, li- if you're, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, listeners, please do not. Oh, oh my God. Uh, you might want to cut that out of the, of as the we podcast. Said, last week, I don't want clown paint on our hands. Uh, but yeah, so it's, that in close up for so long and then when he finally does it he does it off screen you know mm-hmm. the camera stays still and he yeah. moves his hand down and then it cuts down to the blood dripping on the blade yeah and this is also the same approach to the sex yeah you know you see the close up of her lips on his nips for like <laughs> two minutes straight yeah. and then when they start fucking you're just watching lee king shang like yeah. listen to them and like kind of peek a little yeah. bit like it's like <laughs> very cute honestly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny i don't know <laughs> Yeah, with the sex here, you're always on the outside looking in. You never, you never get in that kind of uh, yeah. satisfaction. Very blue velvet. No yeah. POV. No POV. No, yeah, he's not. <laughs> Anyone that's... interested in POV? <laughs> I got a number of short films. That <laughs> yeah, I direct you to. Yeah. So speaking of him, kind of like peeking in though, that is a lot of the humor of this film mm-hmm. is kind of the very bone dry version of like a bedroom farce. Mm-hmm. Uh, people <laughs> opening and closing doors and catching each other in the hallway. It almost gets Frasier-esque at times. <laughs> like those episodes of Frasier where they go to the log cabin. I think there's like five of them and they're all just like trying to fuck and like going in the wrong bedrooms and stuff. <laughs> this is like that yeah. at times and that's when it's really funny. Yeah, honestly. it's it's honestly like that uh, Jay-Z music video. Uh, girls, girls, girls. No, dude. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called Give It To Me. And the concept of it is uh, Jay-Z's looking to fuck in his big old mansion. But everywhere he goes, one of his friends is already fucking someone in that room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even though it's not elevated quite to that sense in this movie, you know, I maybe, you know, there's a, a connection there. Well, I mean, that's where <laughs> Shivers picks up is there is True, yeah. there is someone fucking in every room. Yeah. That is like a scene in Everybody Wants Some, the Richard Linklater movie. Like, it's kind of like the first act break, maybe. I don't know. Uh, after the first party, the end of the night, it's just cutting between all of the main characters that you met so far, and they're just all fucking. <laughs> kind of like in Enter the Void, when we uh, go from hotel to hotel room, seeing the sexual processes. <laughs> For our Gasper No Way heads out there. Sorry I'm a little hoarse this week, folks. Um not enough cough drops in the world this week. <laughs> I don't know what it is. One good scene is kind of where Lee Kang Shing uh, visits the office. There's two great bits there. One where we get maybe a little bit of Jerry Lewis influence with the bellboy bit where there's a bunch of ringing oh. phones. Oh, yes. I loved that part. Oh, my God. So there's there's just one phone ringing and yeah. there's two phones on the desk. And he tries to pick up, and neither of them are the phone. <laughs> yeah. In Sai Ming Lang style, this plays out over the course of about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, beautiful. It, it's definitely Jerry esque. Yeah. yeah. And then um, another scene where we kind of have the Lee King Shang character on the outside looking in, my new favorite phrase, um, <laughs> um, is when he's watching these people, his coworkers maybe, play these like corporate games. Uh, like bonding games going on yeah and and he's just like in the corner just like watching them you know imagining if he had friends or not i wasn't sure what was going on there i thought he was not at work i thought he was at you know some sort of place where people go for leisure to play games or something but then like 
you go in and it's just this empty room and a bunch of people in suits are just like playing like stand-up twister almost yeah i, I yeah mixed I, with like freeze tag i honestly couldn't give you an answer but uh it's very funny it's very funny that's yeah this movie's pretty funny so i think that's about it for uh viva l'amour there's not much more to say without going too deep into just describing the style or specific mm-hmm. scenes um i thought he was gonna fuck the watermelon but he just used it as yeah. a bowling yeah. ball but i'm pretty sure someone fucks a watermelon in a siming i was gonna home. say boy do i have a movie for you yeah. <laughs> That's a, is yeah. it the wayward cloud the wayward cloud and yeah. i haven't seen it yet but the poster is there's a woman laying there and there's a watermelon where in her vagina region yeah so you Something, whoa something's going on there uh, oh <laughs> we could do a double feature of the wayward cloud and the watermelon woman let's let's do it oh oh my god <laughs> let's book it um, in the future book it yeah <laughs> not next week on tour <laughs> we gotta book a tour for that the water <laughs> <laughs> oh man extended clip live coming to the city <laughs> near you can you imagine how terrible that would be we gotta open like fucking rep screens <laughs> Oh, my oh God. yeah. So uh, you're here today to see a screening of Blowout, and um, we're gonna blow your back out. <laughs> no, it would just suck. It would oh, be all these no. people there to see a movie, and they're like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. just talk for five minutes. Why are these movies very loosely connected? <laughs> yeah, I wish there was more thematic uh, connection yeah. here. <laughs> Why is this guy explaining the stupid, not even a joke pun that connects these two movies <laughs> to all 300 of us that came to the movies tonight? Yeah, we'll have to get in talk, get <laughs> yeah. in contact. Yeah, uh, American Cinematheque, we'd love to work with you, mm-hmm. um, no matter how much I've talked shit about you on Facebook. I mean, Twitter. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're just on their <laughs> Facebook page? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did I yeah. just give away yeah. that I'm secretly on Facebook? A no. Facebook guy? That would suck. Imagine being on Facebook. I mean, I have one. <laughs> oh, I know. JT, hey, you like Facebook. I mean, we do all the plugs at the end, so I'm going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, fa- Facebook's really good for posting like uh, like really shitty like groups that boomers post yeah, in. Yeah, That's yeah. where all the good screenshots come from. Yeah. If you're if you're a content uh, miner, I'd suggest just joining a bunch of weird Facebook yeah. groups. Hometown Facebooks, the Ooh. locals. Just yeah. watch. Yeah, there's a... Uh, People get into some wild shit nowadays. Yeah, people just lose their fucking mind <laughs> and go on Facebook, let it all out. It's beautiful. Honestly, if it was like 2010 and I was still on Facebook and I watched this movie, I would lose my shit on <laughs> Facebook and write a big status. Make you go bonkers, dude. That's <laughs> that, powerful stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And my mom would comment and she would say, <laughs> Thumbs do <up>. your homework. <laughs> dude, my mom used to be friends with me on Facebook. That was like her stipulation. When I well, because I don't have a Facebook anymore. Yeah. But when I was like a kid, when yeah. I was like fifteen or whatever, she was like, "You can only be on there if I can see everything you do." <laughs> so she follows you on Twitter now. Of yeah. course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that pretty much wraps up Vive Lamar. Uh, sorry, we were a little loosey goosey. Made a lot of cuts on this one, uh, but we did very much love this film. Yeah, uh, I think all three of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm giving it four and a half bullets. Four and a half bullets. Four and a half bullets. That's our extended clip. The Sixth, sixth Sense. sense. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about The Sixth Sense. Uh, 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 I was thinking about it this week. <laughs> well, we got it in, so. Yeah. I'm glad well, it's back. It's going to be in my mind now. Well, we'll be back. And uh, in the meantime, Malcolm's going to tell me a juicy off mic story. Um, as far as I understand that you um, got these... 
Lundstrom uh, young lady, is that right? I mean, what makes you think that? Well, she had some just like them. Right here, near her belly button. Mm -hmm. You could push them around, too. I know it's kind of sexy myself. Welcome back to Extended Clip, the only film podcast. Before we get into Shivers, do you guys watch anything else of note this week? Um, I didn't really watch much. I want to talk about Righteous Gemstones. Oh, nice. And yeah. I, know, I know JT watches it. Our little gemstone corner. Yeah, we have our little go corner. Right here. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, you could just drop just... the mic for a second. We're gonna... <laughs> oh, he did it, folks. <laughs> for those listening at home, he dropped the mic. But... um. So <laughs> on to like a comforter. I'm not irresponsible. I, yeah. For the, the record. record show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really like the newest episode of Righteous Gemstones. The, this is the first one directed by Jody Hill. I don't know. It was just it had the subplot of like Adam Devine as like the Valsell uh, youth minister. Oh, yeah. yeah that was so good. Yeah. I love the relationship between his character and that like reformed Satanist. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it Keith? Keith. Yeah. How can I forget? It opens with a like a goth techno rave <laughs> dance scene. That's how the show opens up with Keith uh, pa walking past his, you know, former Satanist friends. But I was cracking up at the subplot at a uh, divine, like kind of basically having to go to high school and court this, uh, this rebellious daughter <laughs> uh, to much avail to get her to go to uh, a trampoline youth group. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything say about it you know it's it's one of those another those late capitalism shows um <laughs> the church is set in a mall an abandoned mall and uh the gemstones pull in so much fucking cash so it's all a cash play but yeah um another thing i i like about gemstones mm -hmm. i feel like jody hill is in it this time around yeah, as is. well it's nice to see him because uh, he's like he plays a decent chunk he's like one of uh uh danny mcbride's like friends in it and mm -hmm. it's uh his performance is uh, a nice little addition into the mix. Yeah. He plays Levi, and he's always getting bullied by McBride. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I have to watch it. I'm, yeah. I'm like, go watch it. All, <laughs> all of the Hill McBride shit is some of my most embarrassing blind spots because of how much I've enjoyed the stuff I've seen. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I watched the first three episodes of Vice Principals. Cracked my shit up the whole time. Mm -hmm. Thought it was the funniest shit I'd seen all year. Didn't keep watching. Just didn't feel like it. Yeah. Eastbound and down. I think I've seen every episode, but I uh, maybe not. And it's just like, it's fucking great. Mm -hmm. Just can't get the fucking thing. I don't know. Can't do it. I know what you mean. Can't but commit. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, JT? Why don't you just can fucking you, just do it? Do you also have commitment no, issues? No, I can fucking commit to those shows. They're damn good. And I've yeah. watched them uh, start to finish, mm -hmm. I think, twice. Twice yeah. each. Yeah. Well, I, I meant what about you as in like what else oh, did what you have watch I been this watching? week? Um, okay. Well. Um, but I'm glad you answered for that too. Uh, I dipped my toes into another Cronenberg. Uh, Dead Ringers. Oh. I was always very curious about and I had started it a few times. I know that one like is pretty like closely related to uh Zed and Two Knots, at least like what it's dealing with, like horny twin or uh yeah, horny brothers. Mm -hmm. Um and Jeremy Irons is so fucking creepy in Dead Ringers. Uh his performance as uh twins is phenomenal. twins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> baby. <laughs> wow. Jeremy uh, <laughs> Jeremy Irons is so fucking good. I, he was really good in Reversal and Fortune of Fortune. But yeah, go on. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dead Ringers uh, was great. I feel like 
I was I've been like like you fellas have mentioned I've also had a hard time like watching flicks recently so I was like I, I was at a little bit of a distance from it but I still really appreciated it and loved it I think um, round two I'll probably love it a whole lot more damn well speaking of reversal of fortune and alan dershowitz <laughs> i was in barnes and noble yesterday oh no uh and i saw alan dershowitz's book defending israel and i was like checking it out <laughs> and he refers to israel as his most like uh, i think i think he refers to basically all of israel as his most difficult client like <laughs> <laughs> not helping his case though. <laughs> also it's like did not age well turns out yeah. there's one who was a little more difficult uh, <laughs> that one client that couldn't get away <laughs> well i guess he, he did get away yeah. <laughs> look I, I this is where i get out it is like not knowing shit i don't know what dersh like who dershowitz's other major clients are or whatever who in israel he represents but like i think he helped out with like the oj case like he has a bunch of well i meant pro- specifically oh. with israel oh, yeah oh yeah i don't fucking like, i don't know i can only assume you know probably worst. yeah some Assad, I don't know. Damn, Gonna dude. have to look into <laughs> some IDF. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, dude. Dershowitz was, yeah, he was an IDF warrior. Yeah, he was. Well, I, I mean, you could tell he's a real physical guy the way he fucking tears it up on the basketball court. <laughs> constantly in reversal of fortune. Crossing 18-year-olds up. <laughs> and taking that shit to the hoop layup. Perfect for him. I think we gotta just do a reversal of fortune double feature one of these yeah. weeks. Just that movie twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched a couple movies. I was rewatching some on cinema. Some of it I'd seen, some of it I hadn't. I'm not going to get into that, though. I feel like that's a little saturated right now with the uh, upcoming film and all people might be sick of that. So I'm going to talk about a James L. Brooks movie I watched over the week. <gasps> Hell yes. Another one? <laughs> Is this the second week in a row we're talking about James L. Brooks? Of course. Recurring character on the podcast. <laughs> as good as it gets. We love him. Friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, it's so fucking good. Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Jack is just incredible in this. Uh, it's just this and something's got to give are that kind of late period duology of Jack at his most just completely not giving a fuck and people still kind of wanting to fuck him, uh, <laughs> even though he's just like disgusting. <laughs> looking like. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of things you could say that this film does wrong, kind of just like the other great James L. Brooks movies. You know, you could say that like, the approach to obsessive compulsive disorder is kind of like a caricature version or you could say that it's just like not good representation for like gay people i don't know uh maybe it is though but it's just a really (laughs) fucking good movie maybe we think that (laughs) i don't know he's a fucking successful painter that lives in the same apartment building that this guy who's been a fucking published writer for his whole life is so yeah hey pretty good representation of me i don't know yeah, sure. uh not that the f word is used quite a bit but <laughs> <laughs> something about james l brooks managing to get these emotions out of characters and out of the viewer myself uh when it really doesn't feel right is just something that i've picked up on over the couple of films i've seen you know these things that i've doubted while i've watched them and then 30 minutes later, I'm just like completely bowled over by the film, mm-hmm. no matter how like detached I am within the first 20 minutes thinking, oh, this is, you know, silly. It's funny, but it's like silly, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm just completely invested in it an mm-hmm. hour later. And, you know, they're two hour and 15 minute movies, pretty much all of his films. And they do feel long. It's like a part of that is that you are in these worlds for so long and... <laughs> 
you are in these worlds for so long and even if it's not true to the real world it's so true to its own rules that it sets up you know Mm -hmm. uh jonathan rosenbaum is a big pusher of james l brooks uh i didn't know that that's cool oh yeah and he considers as good as it gets his best film actually i have to rewatch it yeah Yeah, i want to check it out and he says that like uh, whether or not these characters add up to coherent individuals what brooks manages to do with them as they struggle mightily to connect with one another is funny painful beautiful and basically truthful uh that's a typo (laughs) Uh, oh, truthfully, a triumph for everyone involved. And that's kind of nailing it perfectly. It's like none of these are real fucking people, mm-hmm. but they represent so much more, you know. And one thing that it represents, and look, I'm not going to lie to you. We're late on podcasting because uh, I was involved in the clown circus show that's on TV tonight, the debate, these these clowns in Washington. <laughs> clown Uh And it's really like about... You could take the angle of it's about from the waitress's perspective, from Carol's perspective. If you don't have health care, you might have to be forced to let this insane, disgusting person into your life <laughs> because he's the only person that will pay for your insane medical bills that should be covered. So, hey, that's my uh, political two cents for yeah. the week. Damn, yeah. dude. We, we've been on that late capitalism tip the whole episode. No, mm. no, no, no. This <laughs> is the only part. That <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've ever thought about politics and healthcare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this movie sparked it. Uh, uh, yeah. As good as it gets was my political awakening. <laughs> on to our next film. Shivers. David Cronenberg, 1975. Uh, so Malcolm, are you are you a big crone head? Are you a crony? <laughs> Do you have crones? <laughs> <laughs> I got crones. I'm a crony. I'm. I can't think of one. You guys took two pretty good ones right there. Um, I'm a crone head. I think he said that. Um, yeah, That's the first one I said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of his for sure. Yeah, I think I've mentioned before. Videodrome was one of my first favorite movies. Although I will say one thing about Cronenberg, though, I I've I. I do kind of dislike some of his movies, but like, and especially his earlier ones, I'm not a fan of The Brood or even Scanners necessarily, but... Snoozers. Yeah, Snoozers. Yeah, fucking Scanners, like, like we, I like the head blowing up, but I don't really remember much else. And The Brood, The Brood is basically just like a big fuck you to his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like one of the most brutal ex-wife movies I've ever seen. Um, Damn, I want to check this shit out. Uh, second to uh, Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. But, uh, <laughs> or any number of Woody Allen pictures. True, yeah. That, them Allens. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the two Allens of cinema. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> the two Allens oh, that liberal Hollywood doesn't want you to love. <laughs> that's a pairing we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Three episodes of Home Improvement <laughs> with a rainy day in New York <laughs> yeah. when the cam rip surfaces <laughs> from Poland. Yeah, I can't wait until then. That's going to be... I can't wait to see It's that the movie. only thing I can think of. Yeah, most anticipated <laughs> movies 2019 list. Is the inevitable cam rip of a rainy day in New York. Yeah, we, I love forbidden movies, underground cinema, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, yeah, Cronenberg's fucking amazing. A lot of his movies are kind of have like this cold distance to them, I feel, which I kind of like. And a lot of them are about sex and like... He's very, he, he hasn't really made up his mind. Sometimes he's horny. Sometimes the sex you're seeing on screen is almost like a, I, I feel like he's not for it. And I feel like Shivers kind of goes both ways in this regard. Yeah. 
He's, uh, I mean, I guess to get straight to the meat and potatoes of being horny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's that, uh, like, I don't know. There are moments where it does, like, definitely indulge uh, in, like, the eroticism, especially, obviously, in the consensual parts Yeah. Um, before, like, the whole uh, rape. Non-consensual parts. Yeah, zombie yeah. stuff. See, the thing about this double feature is it teaches you a lesson, as you said. <laughs> See, we fronted about the apartments. The real theme or lesson for this week is that sometimes being horny is good and sometimes being horny is bad. I was going to say, this is our like... um, It's a very didactic pairing. Yeah, how how am I going to say this lightly? Um, (laughs) I don't want to know. (laughs) Go for it. Like it's uh, like our anti-consent and double feature. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. Because if you remember in, uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean the entire second half of Vive L'Amour, which yeah. is just like sexual deviancy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like art house sexual yeah. deviancy. Exactly. And it's almost kind of sweet, that little kiss he gives uh, the sleeping man. Okay, yeah. That part we should backtrack and say is not chill, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but back to back to shivers yeah, back to uh it. the actually problematic one uh mm-hmm. because i think everything that happens in the Simon lang film was uh cool <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah yeah everything in the Simon lang was sexually cool yeah this it, is sexually bad <laughs> so the film is about an apartment complex though it's oh, a yeah. new apartment and it's you know this is again kind of this late capitalist thing, you know. It's it has a name. What is it like? Starlight Apartments or something like I think that. You're right. But in the beginning, it says that it's under the umbrella of General Structures Incorporated, which is kind of like a you know, kind of repo man esque, very easy jab at like capitalism slash whatever corporations and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I think it at least puts you in the perspective of where this is coming from and like the evil that can be housing you know housing is obviously great and it's Mm -hmm. a human right and everyone should have it but when people are trying to make money off it sometimes you get sexual assault demons out of it (laughs) and i mean i feel like he gets the horror of like some of the bland like homogenized apartment spaces really well Mm -hmm. like he shoots like the gross ugliness and like the terror of like some of like the stairwells in in the movie and just like even the apartments themselves like they're just like particularly unattractive spaces even if they are made to look a little homier yeah yeah and like the one shot comes to mind is where just like the one of the opening scenes of the couple and like they're cooking them uh the wife is cooking him breakfast and there's just like this big ugly like i don't even remember what it is but just things that divides them and really just kind of shows you how um you know how kind of homogenous these spaces can be and stuff like that and throughout the film uh cronenberg is dividing actors when he's mm-hmm. having these two shots there's so often something either in like the out of focused foreground or behind them mm-hmm. uh like in this breakfast scene that you just said that divides these characters or frames them within the frame you know and uh it's something you know that breakfast scene the staging of it reminded me of the fly uh, he has a similar setup in that. And I think like those scenes where Cronenberg is just showing two people inside talking in a room is really where it comes through how formally precise he is. Uh, because these like low key scenes 
they're very easy to visualize like the overhead diagrams of the staging yeah uh, like where the actors move and where the camera moves it all feels very programmed and precise in a way that does yeah it does make you feel a little cold and detached Mm -hmm. uh but there are times where when he's using that towards horror Mm -hmm. it's really effective yeah and then when he's using it just in conversation it just kind of keeps the film moving along and makes it more formally interesting yeah and when he kind of deviates from that like kind of with the stuff with the handheld i'm trying to remember if i've ever seen this much handheld in a cronenberg movie but oh yeah, yeah. some of the gruesome stuff is shown in the handheld yeah. and it really is effective yeah it really is effective especially paired with like his you know his rigid formalist tendencies so to speak on the gruesome stuff, I mean, do you want to tell us like, uh, well, what is the what is the monster in this horror movie? Well, the monster is like a, a parasite that a was it a sex crazed professor invented? Am I getting that right? Yeah, he yeah. was like fucking a fourteen year yeah. old, and like he was, tr- he was, I think they were trying to say he was doing some substitute for like organs, like, yeah. to put into the body. Yeah, like the parasite would replace a, a bad kidney, and like it would just act mm. as a kidney for you. Pretty scary stuff. I wouldn't do it myself. <laughs> um, we hate bugs. Yeah. But uh, the only kind of organ donation I want in my sex <laughs> life is given brain. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Booyah. <laughs> um, and these parasites um, spread out and they kind of go inside of these people and make them fucking sex crazed. And, you know, I... I I shouldn't even say sex craze. A lot of them, well, there's some consensual, you know, underlyings, but a lot of it is like a uh, assault. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's horror movie sex. Yeah. It's like really <laughs> brutal. It's uh, well, there's horror movie sex in terms of like yeah. teens that are about to get slashed. That's yeah. different. That's usually a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, more titties flying all over the place. Uh, this movie is very committed to showing how disgusting it is. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no shortage of fucking nudity, but like, it's not being erotic. It's yeah. very detached from its sense of eroticism. It even says the words eroticism like 10 times in dialogue just to make you not horny. Yeah, (laughs) to talk about the nature of sex. He tells me that even old flesh is erotic flesh. Also predating Videodrome in that scene too because they're talking about like the old flesh is still an erotic flesh. And that was like very, yeah. And definitely kind of like to get to the body horror aspect of it, the way the parasites squirm in their stomach is definitely reminiscent of like James Wood's uh, pussy hole opening in uh, Videodrome. Like I had the, the, I shivered at the thought of the... (laughs) The parasites. It's gross. It's, it's fucking gross. gross. I'm yeah. a little squirmy, and uh, this one really did it. Made you squirm yeah. like a bug. But it's a good thing. I like when movies are effective. Yeah. Like that. No, yeah, yeah, I like when they get me. That's that's great. Yeah. No, yeah, it definitely gets you like even before like the the terrifying the horror aspects of the being horny. There's like it, it just sort of oozes about in the characters of the film. Like there's that old man that goes to the doctor. Who's like he has a flirtatious <laughs> rapport with the nurse, yeah, and whatnot, and he's like kind of excited that he might have an STD, or he's just like <laughs> yeah. he, he's very casual about yeah. it, and it's just like the I mean, and I, then she gets the parasite, right? And yeah, then, yeah, uh, and that's like where it gets into the part where you realize, oh yeah, Cronenberg thinks sex is like gross at this point. Oh yeah, he's afraid of just he, everyone fucking around him. Yeah. This movie is like a Valsell anthem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the horror of walking through an apartment complex and everyone behind that door is having sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. That would dude. be that would be kind of gross. I'm not let's be honest. <laughs>
<laughs> well, venereal disease is something that's like thrown around mm-hmm. quite a bit in this film, and this is a 1975 film, so mm-hmm. this is not an AIDS culture. Yeah, uh, this is not a using protection culture. You yeah, know? so I could see a young David Cronenberg uh, being grossed out by sex, which he might just be more straight up fascinated by later on in his mm-hmm. career. It's it does feel like a, a bit like reactionary, uh, not not even like being conservative anti-sex you know wait till marriage like uh, yeah but just a little like yeah this shit's gross and it's mm-hmm. the monster <laughs> yeah and then you know it uses it to a great effect you know this movie like a lot of the act there's some it, it pushes the envelope more than i really thought of like one scene that comes to mind where a, even like a child is like assaulted like Dude, yeah. off screen off screen but it's heavily implied and they even kiss they even that part comes late yeah, yeah. so it's Oh my God! Yeah, so there's there's an infected guy, and he gets in an elevator with a mom and her daughter. Yeah, and then like they're all fucked up. The next time you see them, it yeah. cuts away to a different scene, cuts back. Oh yeah, and then they get uh, one of the doctors. Look, mm-hmm. this is a one of those classic horror movies where you don't know characters' names because <laughs> they're not exactly well-rounded characters. But who fucking yeah. cares? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets one of the doctors, and like the two adults are holding him down and like mm-hmm. this deranged like eight-year-old girl with blood all over her face just like fucking tongue kisses or not tongue but mouth kisses yeah him. and it's gross and it's yeah, fucking oh, yeah. disgusting and it's in like, like that like uh, like eerie slow mode yeah, yeah they kiss. yeah they cut away from it right before it happens yeah and then cut back to oh, it in slow mo like you think it's gonna be off screen and then it's like no fuck you it's, yeah <laughs> there's also that moment where like they're the two little girls the two girls that are like on the dogs, fuck oh my god like have collars and like oh. Oh, uh, that's no yeah that was like there's it's like a two second shot that's mm-hmm. a scare yeah. that really stayed with yeah. me <laughs> fuck it was messed up dude this yeah. movie's messed up yeah honestly yeah probably rated r <laughs> <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know what they got in canada up there but like honestly i can't see a kid watching this <laughs> no i know uh, i think dave kerr says it's like hard to stomach in his review which yeah uh, there are scenes that are gross, but you know, maybe he wrote that in 1975. Yeah. He's been around, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long he's been working. Kerr? Yeah, right. He's been around. Yeah, Rosenbaum. Yeah, no, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. I think he was active in the 70s. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he says it's like uh, one of the harder films you'll ever have to sit through, something like that. Damn. But he's still pretty positive on it. I'm pretty yeah. sure he talks about Cronenberg's. For- I mean. You know, someone like Kerr, who likes to unpack the moving parts of a film, yeah. uh, obviously is going to fucking enjoy Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because we've been pretty positive on it, but I don't think either of us, any of us, really thought it's like a great movie necessarily. No, it's not fully realized, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think like, I mean, this is my second time seeing it, and the first time I saw it was last year at Beyond Fest. They were doing that Cronenberg thing, and there was a... A marathon of like four of the early Cronenbergs, uh, where this was like in that lineup, and it was uh, kind of a blur. So it was nice to. Um, Why was it a blur? Oh uh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, um, caught. Damn, smoking at the cinema. Um, but yeah, no, it was just like I, I like had fonder memories of this than like when I watched it this time. But that's not to say like. I think it's just a little like rough around the edges yeah. and like, I, I don't know. It's pretty like lean in the sense where it's like, 
um, 80 some minutes and like gets right to it mm-hmm. like with the the creepy sex shit but still it just doesn't I, I don't know it's not as refined as the the Cronenberg stuff that mm-hmm. I really love yeah I was gonna say like the mise-en-scene is really precise for about 60 minutes yeah and there's about 30 minutes there that aren't in sequential order it's just like some scenes just feel kind of offhanded I don't mm-hmm. know like it's like a pretty basic shot reverse shot like nothing too sophisticated Mm -hmm. which some directors you know that's their fucking bread and butter and that's what they make great movies out of yeah uh i don't know cronenberg i feel like is always kind (laughs) of tricking around with you and like teasing out these little editing patterns that you can see throughout a scene and doing all and there's scenes in this that don't really have that kind of momentum yeah 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 and all the relationships are kind of weird i don't know yeah i like his i'm not a big like uh psychology guy for horror movies i know a lot Mm -hmm. of people are especially cronenberg people love that shit because Mm -hmm. what does the body mean (laughs) uh what the fuck does that mean (laughs) but yeah it's like the the relationships don't fully work for me in this i don't know like it but also just the pure genre stuff really does like yeah. it's a it's a film definitely at war with itself for about an hour of it mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of really clear stuff though in this that i really like that is like on par with what i've seen and loved from cronenberg like mm-hmm. the fly and video drum yeah which i don't love but there are scenes that i love yeah like the body horror aspect of it was like surprisingly like effects are like gruesome a lot of like things coming out of mouths you know a lot of parasites coming out of the mouth and bubbling stomachs it's all very convincing even if yeah there's some things that kind of like lackluster and like just some yeah some scenes that kind of feel like dead weight also to again reference the fly uh because i know there's a good hamburger scene in that film where they're at a diner eating some burgers uh early on in this one one of the doctors is like double fisting a, a sandwich and a pickle. Oh, yeah. that's it's great. such a good setup yeah. because he's got his drink in front of him. No way he's taking a sip. He's got both hands all wet. He's got a juicy ass sandwich <laughs> and a pickle. Oh, what a god. <laughs> I wish that were me. <laughs> I want to try that out. That setup. I've done it. Yeah. It's wow. good. I literally okay. did that last <laughs> night at the Grove. <laughs> at the carving station i got a french dip sandwich that gave me a big pickle i didn't even put that together that that's why i liked that so much i watched this movie two hours ago ate that sandwich 12 hours ago wow didn't even put the two together god damn you're that guy in the movie then (laughs) i am him yeah yeah Yeah, i went to the grove no big deal (laughs) (laughs) only like my second time going there as an adult (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, that's it. Fuck it. Uh, we yeah. went like pretty long on other shit today, and uh, we all like shivers a good amount. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. We have other segments to do, the people. We have, we yeah. have, we have yeah. shit to do. Yeah. We have a podcast to do. We got. <laughs> we can't be talking about movies. We have a yeah. podcast to do. We got to edit this. You know, get in the lab. Wait, how many? How many bullets though? All around. So, holy shit! Whoa. I have a, I have a sense now. I think I looked at Letterboxd. I'm not sure. I I have a I have a sense that something is going to happen again. Oh no! Oh. What, Malcolm, how many bullets do you give this movie? Let me count them real quick. <laughs> three and a half. What about you, JT? Oh, uh, three and a half. Folks, sounds like this is our second episode of the Sixth Sense today. Because I'm also giving it three and a half bullets. Damn, we're really we're, yeah. on the same page today, clearly. Mm-hmm. I love a good three and a half star movie. 
Honestly, those are my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. An 85-minute, three-and-a-half-star movie. Amazing. Holy shit. I think I've, we showcased a lot of these <laughs> yeah. on the show. Yeah. Problem Child. Yeah. <laughs> if you look private at parts. Private parts, yes. Private parts. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I feel like the most of my ratings on Letterboxd are like three-and-a-half stars. Probably yeah. Probably 85-minute movies. Three-and-a-half-star, 80-minute movies. You got Cabin Boy. You got Oki's Movie by Hong Sang-soo. You got Problem Child. You got I Shot Jesse James. You got the Beatles, Let It Be. You got the Monster Squad. You got Sleepy Eyes of Death, The Chinese Jade. You got Kobe doing work, a Spike Lee joint. <laughs> you got Dark Star. You got a couple Frederick Wiseman movies, probably. Uh, Mistress America. I mean, come on. It's the best genre there is. It's all you'll ever need. Yeah, a lot of the old screwballs that I've been going through recently are like the three and a half star classics. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, for sure. Where it's just like nothing fucking blows you away. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not going to be thinking mm-hmm. about the movie down the line. But, but you damn, have a if great that time. Yeah. damn if that wasn't a great way yeah. to spend 80 minutes. Yeah. yeah, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's another good one. Ooh, what are, oh the trip the Roger Corman Peter Fonda one, dude. What about isn't Clifford like eighty five minutes? That is not a three <laughs> and a half <laughs> star no, movie, my friend. Got you, dude. Trolled Ooh. you, trolled you. I am not letting you get away with that. <laughs> Walking and talking by Nicole Holof Center. Poison by Todd Haynes. Take the money and run by Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> All three and a half star movies. Oops, didn't mean to say that one. <laughs> Uh, the Girlfriend Experience by Sasha Gra- I mean by Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> Starring the Sasha, Sasha Gray, Gray experience. <laughs> the Sasha Gray. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week's extended clip. But before we go, you know, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at ExtendedClip69. I'm at iPod underscore video. And I'm at BitchFacePalace. Uh, I'm at TallBoyThinLegs. But the other way you can get in touch with us is email... So classic. You're going back to the mailbag. People love it. They can't get enough. <laughs> back to the basics. Um, okay, so this one comes from returning champion Ryan Kelly 2014 at gmail.com. Hey guys, sense a little hostility on the last clip. What's up? 2020 Oscar picks? Oh yeah, by the way. <laughs> also, he said he's up late again because he just saw a great live rock show. It was 1021 up late again damn dude yeah Um, maybe you should why don't you yeah i think i said that last (laughs) time i'm not giving you that twice uh no hostility thanks for listening it's all cool dude yeah Yeah. um (laughs) i guess the joker is gonna win best picture right yeah 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 2020 that's this year's oscars basically oh yeah uh yeah the joker is gonna win best picture unless it gets like too like uh you know if it loses the election to Trump, if Hillary wins, yeah. that means that uh, Joker's event, de- that means Avengers Joaquin Endgame. will definitely pull it in. Oh, yeah. for, Joaquin for, will win yeah, best, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I think if we see 2016 all over again, Joker wins Best Picture. Yeah. But if we see the revisionist history where we're at brunch, uh, Avengers <laughs> Endgame wins Best Picture. I think it's going to go the mo- motherless Brooklyn. Oh shit, dude. Okay. That is a future classic. That yeah. is like we gotta give it maybe a little time because like people are gonna make fun of it. Uh some dumbasses are gonna slurp it up, but a few years <laughs> from now, we're gonna have a good time with Motherless yeah. Brooklyn. Let it age like a fine wine. Yes. <laughs> uh okay. Our next one is from uh Robert Shashir. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Two questions. Whoa, What's a whoa. film you used to hate but have come around on? And I'll let you guys think. Okay. About that. And this is basically the opposite. Looking back, 
what's the most embarrassing movie you once considered yourself a fan of? Now, Robbie, thanks a lot for the question. I should have told these guys the questions before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're just going to be looking at our phones yeah. in our letterbox. I'll probably cut a little bit of time out, but uh, thank you for writing in a question. Uh, the topic of this email was movie. I think that's a good move. I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Love movie. Okay. I have uh, one for one I wasn't hot on, but now I really love. And then I'll think again okay. to figure out What's the What's the one you have? Um, I... Yeah, I mean, going with Cronenberg again, I saw Naked Lunch uh, when I was real young and I had the classic, the um, Nelson Muntz. I can think of at least two things wrong with that title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I like, I don't know. It just, it really didn't work for me. I was like, okay, this is all right. But recently I, um, again, last year at Beyond Fest, I saw it and it just like worked uh, on a variety of levels, made me really interested in Burroughs. Um, and I think like Peter Weller's phenomenal in that. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of one of the best Cronenbergs. Yeah, I think going with stuff that I saw when I was young is kind of an easy way out. But the first one that comes to mind is, of course, Bring It On. Uh, that is like an older sister, annoying older sister classic, kind of, if mm-hmm. you're a boy or younger sister. Well, if younger sister, maybe you get to dominate what's on the TV a little more. I did not get to. I watched quite a bit of uh, young girl movies. Bring It On was one of them. I was not a fan of the movie, although I knew all of like the chants by heart. Uh, and then I was prompted to rewatch it last year, maybe two years ago, uh, due to some Peyton Reed auteurism. Yeah. And I gotta say, bring it on fucking rules. Uh, mm. it's an incredible movie. Uh, I'm not the first to call it Hoxian. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you won't it, be the last. <laughs> I won't be the last. Uh, <laughs> one I could think of, and this is the only one I could think of. I guess I don't change my mind a lot, but, uh, the comedy starring Tim Heidecker. Oh, okay. When you were I, anti? I hated it oh, wow. so much when I first watched it. And like, I think I watched it when it, it released. I don't think I got it at all. And I was like, this is just unpleasant. Like, this just <laughs> sucks. And then like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, that's, that's the, you know, that's the point. Yeah. So I think it took me a couple of watches too. For some reason I've seen that like three times, but I'm a big fan of it now. You know, speaking of that, I actually... And this is like a much smaller scale. I wasn't that into Billion Dollar Movie when it came out. Oh, that one too. Uh, that one too. But I was a big Tim and Eric fan. Same. Uh, I was like, you know, I like when they do 10 minute episodes because yeah. I could watch 20 minutes of Tim and Eric and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was, you know, 16 or 17 when that came out. Yeah. And, you know, I recently rewatched Billion Dollar Movie. It's very good. It's great. Uh, I mean, come on. Imagine that coming out right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously there's Mr. America coming yeah. out, which is great. Or it's great that something like that is coming out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the movie will be. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to come up with stuff that I'm embarrassed used to like, just like anything in middle school or yeah. high school, really, because I didn't watch movies. So I would watch five movies a year and they would all be the best movie I saw that year. Uh, so like Inception, obviously. I thought that shit blew my freaking mind. Uh, I watched like a cam rip of it on my PSP, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I didn't honestly... I barely even like got it back then, but I was like, yeah, man, it fucking like cool, man. Uh, and then I really liked it for like a year after that. And then I watched it again and I was like, what the fuck is this? And that kind of sparked my, my turn on Nolan, which, you know, is the most boring thing a cinephile can talk about. Yeah. But yeah, no, I feel like for embarrassing stuff, it's a lot of similar things like early, like cinephilia, like being really impressed with like, Per, like very ov- obvious formalist directors like mm-hmm. i think 
this is very embarrassing, but I'm pretty certain I liked, uh, to some extent, the artist when it came out. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, and uh, but that's great. Uh, quickly soured on that, and that's uh, that's some shame. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I liked the Big Short quite a bit when it came out, even and like I even you know, I don't know. I I obviously know more about. Uh, like recent history and politics than I did then, but not yeah. that much more, honestly. Yeah. And I acknowledge the film is kind of dumb, but I and I also even didn't like the style. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was my big complaint. Walking away was all the zooms, but I was still very like enamored with it. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, even if it's dumb and like stupid and overexplained, that's what the people need. <laughs> and then like a year later, I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. the dumbest take I could possibly have <laughs> on that movie. That movie sucks. This movie's so important. Once again, yeah. Adam McKay, you're on watch. Adam McKay, <laughs> we know where you get your dark money. But uh, uh, from, that was, te- was from that- Texaco <laughs> and BP. <laughs> was that his turn? Because like, uh, was everything he made before that good? Uh yeah, pretty much. I love Talladega Nights. This one, I love that one. That's the second time you've said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, yeah you say what are you say? Talladega. Talladega. Oh, fucking sorry. I guess. But no, because when I was editing the episode last week, I heard you say it, and I was like, oh, I'm not crazy. I thought you said it wrong. Say Talladega last week. You mentioned. It's a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. You talked about the tits. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, my dad fucking loves that. Like uh, the first scene where they're confronting each other at the bar, and it's like the very, uh, you know, genius comedic premise of like each person naming what their country con- contributed. You know, yeah. <laughs> man, my dad was fucking like crying at that yeah. scene. Like, uh, yeah. I love NASCAR humor too. Like all the ads. But um, to answer the question, um, I think I used to call American Beauty one of my favorite movies. Oof. Yeah. That's, I mean. That's one that I hated the first time I saw yeah. it. Hey, man, respect. But I was, I, I had been watching movies every day for a while the uh-huh. first time I saw it. So. Okay. Yeah. That was definitely very early, even probably before like the the watching. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We have one yeah, more. There's Shit. Another. Yeah. Dude, three emails. This is like the Wait, best. Wait, was there ever. another part to that? Email, it was, was just those two questions, questions. Yeah. yeah okay yeah. we answered those yeah Take, yeah and it's from robbie it. yeah um our last one is from james mclaren hey eddie Jam- uh oh podcast question is the topic hey <laughs> eddie malcolm and jt this was sent at 6 21 a.m jesus oh wow Christ. early rising yeah were, you, were we in your dreams <laughs> <laughs> and you had to write a question about us <laughs> dreaming about us <laughs> <laughs> Look, this guy's being sincere and nice. Let's not. All right. Be fun of well, all right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you didn't read the email. You got, yet. You got the extended clip treatment. <laughs> Firstly, I want to say I've been greatly enjoying your podcast so far, and I always make sure to listen to it on the way to uni. Since yeah. your podcast's thumbnail has a picture from one of his great recent efforts, I was wondering what your guys' favorite Clint Eastwood movie from this decade would be. For me, it would be Hereafter. A film that has the late Eastwood fascination with small yet miraculous moments of life that end up almost M. Night Shyamalan-like in its powerful belief in spiritual empathy. Keep up the great work. Jeez, we're not doing great work. I know. <laughs> that <laughs> that, that sentence did a lot of <laughs> yeah, like, thoughtful yeah. question. I have not said anything like of that worth this episode. Yeah, right? <laughs> and honestly, like 
the M. Night Wait Clint connection is kind of apparent, and I didn't no. see it till now. And I yeah. haven't seen it here after. That's Me one neither. that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good question. Damn. Um, wait, what was the question, though? <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite no. 2010s. Favorite, yeah, favorite. Tw- I mean, come on. If you know me, you know me. It's Sully. Honestly, I'm I'm right on I'm on that plane with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, this is not the third sixth sense of the episode, oh. so I have to differ. I mean, I like I'm a late convert to yeah. like appreciating like mm-hmm. old Eastwood. I like for me the mule is what really sold me on it and uh-huh. has made me want to explore more. So I'm gonna go with the mule. Have you seen other ones though from um, this decade from him? You got I like your don't. Jersey Boys, you got your Hereafters, you got your Sullys, you got your J. Edgars. And no, yeah, 15, I pretty much... Your 15, 17, 17 to Paris's. <laughs> no, I haven't Dude, seen... the 15 to 17 to Paris, that's a classic. It's, that's like... The more I think about it, the more I so like it. It's so fucking good. Oh my God, we have to talk. All right, yeah. so... Fifteen seventeen <laughs> Paris, one of the most derided films of the decade. Easily. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. nobody fucking went to bat for it critically, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of people that have more critical prowess, I yeah. guess. Clout. Even like the fucking late Clinton defenders, the ones who wrote big pieces about mm-hmm. Sully for fucking Vulture or whatever, yeah. weren't really there to bat for fifteen yeah. seventeen to Paris. Mm-hmm. Letterboxed heads were. That's yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> it's the most luxurious movie that Clint Eastwood yeah. has ever made, even more than The Mule. Yeah, uh, there is a sixty-minute fucking European travelogue in yeah. the middle of it with just like horny, buff, twenty-year-old uh, dudes. Yeah, <laughs> like, it kind of it kind of reminds me, and of course, there's there's some differences here, but it kind of reminds me of kind of like that forty-minute aside in Miami Vice where Colin Farrell and uh, Gong Lee are just like fucking and dancing and drinking yeah. expeditions and stuff yeah. so fucking it's so good that's all i want yeah there's movies. a scene where they're just like in the club bumping and grinding and yeah. like clint directing that just like yes. oh my god and there's so many like Fuck. selfie stick shots yes and like Fuck. uh there's a lot of iphone footage and uh, i'm pretty sure i mean it looks mm-hmm. like it if not it's like very you know uh handheld or like very mobile uh, handheld camera mm-hmm. equipment when they're doing the real, you know, European, ex- the perversion excursion, as it's <laughs> called by the host of the hostel that they stay at. <laughs> like, it's just Clint gallivanting with these three guys that yeah. were fucking luckily in the right place at the right time and happened to be fucking military goons. Yeah. Like, they're dumbasses mm-hmm. and, like, they have no, like, real perspective on what any of that meant because they were brainwashed by American military culture yeah. from a extremely young age. In Clint's own films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Clint invokes himself, dude. There's a fucking letters from Iwo Jima and uh, Full Metal Jacket posters on the wall yeah. when the kid is just like unleashing his arsenal of BB guns, which is just like, yeah, this kid's going to be a school shooter if he doesn't witness a terrorist thing. Like, yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. Uh, and... and uh, thwarting a terrorist attack is not as common as mass shootings so hey that's uh the message yeah and also it kind of fits like with his kind of late era theme of like there's like fuck the heroes there are no like oh yeah yeah it's like like the myth making behind heroes these guys are as normal as you can be just completely Dude, normal guys sully loves his job so much yeah that he just like fucking has a website about plane safety <laughs> like <laughs> he's not a hero he's a guy who's good at his fucking yeah. job which like you know that shouldn't be the only basis for a movie but i think when clint is working in that basis it's kind of you could say it's a deflection from like the 
extra textual stuff like mm-hmm. that people love to just shit on him for you yeah. know the chair obviously yeah uh, <laughs> all of his political stuff uh you could say he's dodging it by doing mm-hmm. uh, by being like hey i'm just a director just like sully <laughs> was just a pilot you know yeah. uh but i think that's fucking kind of unbelievable yeah that that is still these films are still being made and yeah that clint is still fucking a god i don't know and he's i think and he's, he's a terrible person probably uh and he has terrible politics <laughs> One of the best filmmakers of all time. Yeah, I, you know, he has terrible politics. Yeah, I wouldn't know? say he's a terrible person. I, I mean, yeah. You well, know. actually, no, no. I don't know. Dude, do? stuff, I think he's the done stuff with some the abortions oh, is fuck. rough. See, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like, like that shit is really bad. I don't know a lot of things. So yeah. sometimes <laughs> I'll support someone's. You know, they did something. All right, you know, I got an open mind. I'll reconsider it. <laughs> anyway. Oh man! Oh yeah, JT. So yeah, you know about the bad stuff he's done, but you know <laughs> about the fifteen seventeen yeah. pair. Yeah. Why don't you just watch the art instead of commenting? <laughs> yeah. Just running your mouth. You ever hear about the death of the freaking author? <laughs> I remember there was this one dude on a forum that would always <laughs> use that uh, when talking about like the art of rapists that he loved. Like, oh uh, god. Uh, we know which rapists I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. The ones that everyone loves defending. The ones that we joke about on this podcast <laughs> yeah. all the time. Hey. Thank you for emailing. <laughs> that was an extra twenty minutes for you, uh, free. You didn't have to pay for that. Ain't yeah. <laughs> hey, no charge. Don't sweat it. <laughs> twenty minutes on the house. <laughs> Slipped it in your front yeah. pocket, <laughs> slyly. Yeah, Leave that one's for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, you know, I hope the quantity makes up for the quality, <laughs> yeah. and we'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>